I'm excited to, to share this morning. We wrap up our series, uh, but I want to start by just being real. Also, let me just address the elephant in the room. There is three things of marbles up here. Um, I will get to that in the sermon, but that's like your cliffhanger. You have to wait. I'm not going to tell you until the end. So don't just sit there and look at the marbles, though, okay? Pay attention. Let's see what God has for us. Uh, but I want to be real with you as I start this morning. I want to let you in on some of my fears. One of the scariest times in my life, if I think back to it, was the day we had to leave the hospital with Ellie, our first child. Like, I've, I've seen a lot of scary things. I've been on the side of a mountain and thought I was about to fall off. I've, I've done the zip lines. I've done some scary things along the way a lot by my own doing, and then a lot just circumstantial. But I also can be real with you and say one of the scariest things was when we had to leave the hospital and take home our first child, Ellie. I was scared to death. Like, I'm in charge of this little human. What is happening? I'm in charge uh, of this sweet little human. Back then, they would ask you before you left. This was 12, 13, almost 13 years ago. They would, I say back then, like I'm some wise sage here. Like, I'm just saying, back then for me was 13 years ago. Um, I think back to that, and they would actually allow you to stay. Hey, if you want another night in the hospital, sure. So they came to us after the first full day. We had one night. You know, they, they would still take your baby away to the, to the nursery and bring her back when it was time to feed. And, like, I remember thinking, man, this is, this is great. The hospital bed was terrible. But this idea of, like, we've got a lot of help. This is great. And they came to us and said, your insurance will cover another night. Yes, please. Yes, please. We'll have one more night. Anybody, can anybody relate to that? Or maybe some of y'all now, I think they just ship you out the door like five hours later and say good luck to you. Then we had a choice. Why would we go home? Of course we're going to stay another night. Are you crazy? But nonetheless, the day would actually come where we had to walk out the door. We had to leave. And I cried because we were leaving our nurses. Not because of some like attachment thing, but because like, again, just this fear. God, I'm in charge of this hu little human. And of course, Cody was a champ through it all. Like she's, she's bold, she's courageous, and I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. I think I checked the car seat like 27 times throughout the day. At one time, she's like, why do you keep going out to the car? Well, I'm just, just making sure the car seat's ready. Just making sure everything's ready to go. I just want to make sure it's all good to go. And so we got in the car car seat was fine. Um, we got to the stop sign right in front of Hendrick Hospital in Abilene, Texas, and I was waiting to turn left, and I remember looking to my left, looking to my right. It was early in the morning, and there was no cars, but I just remember staying there, and then finally Cody was like, hey, babe, it's clear both ways. We can go home. And it was at that moment that I just, it really connected with me of like, all right, here we go. Can we do this? Can we really care for and, and equip and train up these little souls? Can anybody relate, relate to that? Just the fear? Maybe a lot of dads can just be honest. Moms are like champs. Dads are like, what is happening? Uh, it seemed like we had been given this impossible task to do, and we needed to do it well. I was chosen to be her father. Now we have three kiddos. We added two more to the mix, scared to death. And now as the time passes, it's even more clear that I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes. Now, can anybody relate to that, that you have no idea what you're doing sometimes? It's scary. And honestly, it's hard. I've often heard this say, uh, this phrase, that parenting 
outside of marriage is one of the most sanctifying works of the Spirit of God. Like, think about that. In the midst of a thousand battles a year of the he shed, he shed, he said, she said nonsense, right? Like, if you've got multiple kids, it's always just this fighting. The thousand reminders, pick up your towel, like, brush your teeth, common basic life skills. Did you brush your teeth this morning? No. Reminding them, go brush your teeth. Like, along the way, the thousand reminders, the thousand corrections. Hey, guys, please don't do that. Guys, Please don't do that. The disciplining moments, the thousand explanations of the same thing over and over again. The everyday authority encounters of these little people. Like they look at you like you're not an authority. I will rule this house. I'm three. They look at you like that. The different seasons with every child. The more you add into the mix, they're always changing. None of our children are identical. There's not this one-size-fits-all model that works for every kid. There's a thousand little teaching moments along the way that I've completely missed. I've totally blown it. A thousand I'm sorry's. A thousand little, hey, will you please forgive me? All mixed with a thousand little opportunities to point them to Jesus. Over and over and over again. So many moments in my life where we looked at each other, Cody and I, and just, just felt totally overwhelmed. Where it's felt impossible to be faithful to this task that he's ordained us to, that he's given us. Much less to devote time and energy into all of the other things. This is just, your, this is just the part of your life where you're raising kids. Much less your job and all of the other things that are pulling you in different directions. Your own marriage pouring into that and caring for that. Parenting is hard work, and yet through it all, in every moment of life, I'm reminded over and over again of the goodness of God, and that hope comes with being his, his children, that we are his. Hope comes from that, this hope that has sustained Cody and I along the way as someone who follows the way of Jesus, you follow the way of Jesus, it brings you hope as an individual, as a husband, as a co-worker, even as a father, that in every moment of life, the Holy Spirit is with me. He's with me. The hope that I have, hear the hope he promises. Jesus says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and hear this, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him, doesn't know him. But you, Christian, brother and sister here this morning, you do know him. Because he remains with you and will be in you. John 14. Now, I don't claim to have it all figured out. I joked about, like, I'm some wise sage. I don't. I have the word of God, though. I have the counselor, as we see Jesus says, the Holy Spirit. And as Peter would say, that would be enough. He says this in 2 Peter. His divine power has given us everything. The counselor has given us everything required for life in godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 2 Peter 1.3. So if we'll start there, 
instead of trying to figure it out on our own, if we will just start there, brother and sister, and we will stay there with the good news of who Jesus is, what he has done to us and for us. I've say, I say this all the time. We never outgrow our need for the gospel. Like, you don't get to this point in your life where you're like, I've accomplished everything. I've figured it all out, and I no longer need this good news of Jesus. We will always need Jesus. And so if we're never going to outgrow that, then I truly believe we weren't just made here to just try to survive this world. Instead, we were actually to, to live our lives on this beautiful adventure that glorifies God in our everyday rhythms of life. So my prayer this morning, that as parents, we'd hear this, we'd be encouraged to be spirit-led parents. It's my main idea, big idea. What does it mean to be spirit-led parents? As we wrap up our summer series, we've been in Psalms, uh, some collection of Proverbs, we looked at work and finances, and then just a couple different Psalms along the way. I want us to look at one more collection of Proverbs on parenting. Now, to be very clear, Proverbs is, is packed full of practical wisdom for everyday life, but not necessarily promises. Meaning, if you follow these biblical principles found in the scripture for all of life, the things that we've talked about, I want you to hear this, you're not guaranteed or promised that it's all going to work out. Go back to Genesis 3. We live in a fallen, broken world, full of broken, busted people. I'm one of them. But, generally speaking, if we would learn to, to read the Proverbs as wisdom, that if you follow these principles in this book and the practices for all of life, your everyday rhythms, where you work, where you play, your relationships, your marriage, more times than not, you're going to find favor from the Lord and favor with one another. The best leadership books out there, guess what they're packed full of? Wisdom from the Proverbs. The best financial books out there, Biblical wisdom. They might disguise it in other ways and, and in other things. Debt, it addresses it. How you handle your, your finances, stewardship, how you work, all of it is going to eventually come down to this, to this word. They might just disguise it a little different. Packed full of wisdom. And this morning is no different as we look at parenting. If you will follow the ways of the Lord, generally speaking, you're going to raise children who will turn out well. Generally speaking. I just said it's not a promise, but generally speaking. So while they're not that, they're not promises, we can certainly look at this as a faithfully driven, faithfulness driven rather than results led. We're going to talk about that and kind of unpack it. But your role, I want you to hear this, your role as a parent is not to produce children who act a certain way with all of their behavior. Instead, your role as a parent should be viewed as instruments in the Holy Spirit's work for all of life, including the life of your children. You are called to steward them. So simply put, the biblical view of parenting is to be spirit-led, not morals forced. I need you to hear this, because I have to come back to this every day. Only the Spirit of God can transform the hearts of our children. You can yell and you can yell louder, and you can scream and shout, and you can discipline. You could even do it all with grace and lead them in the right way. But at the end of the day, it's only the Spirit of God that can transform their hearts. And when we understand this, this is one of those cause and effects. Because of that, 
He's the only one that can do that. The effect is this. When you understand this shift in our thinking of discipling our kids, it radically changes our parenting priorities. Here's why. It takes the unnecessary weight off of you. The weight of this Instagram filter life where you see everybody has all of their stuff figured out. And look at these family photos. Why are they all smiling? If anybody saw my family photos with Cody and I, it's like three seconds of smiles and 17 minutes of if you don't smile, right? Anybody ever do that? Like we, we live in this world though. When you get on Instagram, you're like, oh, look at that. Look, that family, that family is just so precious. They're perfect. I wish I could be like them. Wish I could just have that family life. And you start, you start living out of this, this unnecessary weight that you, you feel like you have to produce results in your kids. It's unnecessary. It keeps us from seeing our kids as true treasures from God. It keeps us from seeing our kids and uh, how we parent, not as a reflection of who we are, but as a reflection of these are souls that God has given us to steward and care for. And when you have that right thinking, you, you look at them as beautiful and unique, created in the image of their creator, marked and stamped with Jesus Christ. So instead of pushing and forcing our kids to live up to the standards that we put on them, producing their own righteousness, then we can actually steward them to look more like Jesus. And that's the call. But it's only done by the work of the Holy Spirit. So... So hold there. Big idea. As we look at some very practical things on parenting this morning, I want you to make note of this. Wise parenting is spirit-led. If you take notes, wise parenting is spirit-led. Let's unpack that. What does that look like? How do we see this play out in our everyday rhythms? That's a phrase we use a lot around here, our everyday rhythms, because church doesn't just happen here. I want you to, to take what you have here, take it outside those walls. And so when I say everyday rhythms, where do you frequent? Where do you play? What coffee shop do you go to? In your home, in your co-working space, whatever that is, your everyday rhythms. I want us to see how we parent in those everyday rhythms with wisdom, being spirit-led. So the first thing we have to do is, just like with anything, for it to be led by the Spirit, then you, mom and dad, hear this, you have to focus on your own relationship between you and the Lord first. If you truly will, will get behind that, that they belong to the Lord first, then that releases you from any uh, result-driven parenting where you're like, they have to do this for me to feel validated as a parent, and it releases you from that. And then you can actually focus on between you and the Father, you and the Lord. You can grow in your own sanctification. And as you grow in that, that's what overflows into all of our areas, into our everyday rhythms. So if you desire to see your children know Jesus, if you desire to see your children at 18 grow up and be sent out of the house with a good head on their shoulders, then we start there. Proverbs 3, 1 through 8, it's on the screen. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. It's interesting. They'll add to your life. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. One of our favorites that we all love to quote. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, parenting, work, life, 
everyday rhythms. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. In what? He will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to you, to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. So if you will commit to delight in God and who he is, all of him, then all of the work and all of the growth in your own life, then the joy and delight of pursuing the Father and Son will overflow into every relationship that you have. That is a promise. I can assure you that if your cup runneth over with garbage, then that's what's going to come out. If your cup runneth over with the joy of the Lord and delighting in who he is, and your identity is based in that, a child of God, then that's what's going to come out. How you lead others, how you work, how you lead and love your children. So as you experience the love of God, you'll see what it means to wisely love your children. Psalm 127, children are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward. Everybody look at me, parents, kids, you look at me, kiddos, right here, look. You are a reward to your parents. You can go home and tell them that, hey, mom, dad, I'm a reward, don't forget. You are a reward, a heritage from the Lord. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are their sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Proverbs chapter 17, grandchildren and grandparents in here. Grandchildren are the crown of the elderly, and the pride of children is in their fathers. So spirit-led parents recognize their children are a blessing, a heritage from the Lord. Our homes should boast of this great love from the Father to us and then to them. So if you'll start here, if you'll start with your own relationship with Christ, then I can, I can promise this. That's what will overflow. Doesn't mean that they're going to turn out as perfect little angels. It means that they're going to see a real faith with mom and dad. And if they see a real faith, then the chances are significantly, they significantly increase for them to think, man, something different about mom and dad. So as you experience the love of God, you're going to grow in wise speech for your children. Let's look at that. Spirit-led parents recognize that what you say and how you say it matters. Our children are always listening. Anybody testify to that? To the good, to the bad, and to the ugly. They hear everything. So what's wise parenting look like with our speech? Well, we speak truth. What is that? Proverbs 23. Listen to your father who gave you life. And don't despise your mother when she is old. Buy and do not sell. What are you buying? Truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Words of truth, words of wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Buy up all that you can and hold on to it for dear life. Your kids are like a sponge, so let them soak up all that they can of this truth. The biblical truth, teach them the way of Jesus, who he was, how he lived. We offer 10 truths back there. On your way out, grab those 10 truths. Teach them. If you're like, I just don't know where to start. Every month we have a kid's truth, truth of the month, and it teaches God's word in a very easy way. It's got an image on it. It's got Bible references. Teach them those truths. And guess what? When you finish for the year, turn around and do it over again. When you finish year four, turn, uh, start over again. I love... Uh, when we gather at the hatches, 
where anytime I hear Craig talk about our family ministry, uh, he talks a lot about their family discipleship and how Charlie's three. Yeah, Charlie's three. And like in his own way is able to communicate with the Lord. Gibberish. Some might say it's speaking in tongues. I'd say it's gibberish. Uh, But in his own way, he prays to the Lord. He hears the devotions that the Hatches read and pray over him and invite him into those truths. I know lots of you under, uh, take this family discipleship serious because why? Teach them the way of Jesus. Let that overflow into your lives. Let them hear your prayers. What are they hearing? Are they always hearing how hard work is? Are they always hearing how just terrible life is? Are they always hear- Why would they want to grow up and go into the real world if that's all they're hearing? Let them hear your prayers. Share your life with them. Invite them into something that is real. If you struggle with something and you think that it's wise to share with your children, maybe it's a fear, invite them in. Let them hear the prayers from you to their Father in heaven. God, I'm I'm struggling and I'm really wrestling with this. Like I've done that time and time again because I'm trying to, I'm trying to just bring them up in a way that they see that dad doesn't have it all figured out. Because as a pastor's kid, there's this, there's this notion, I grew up as one, that apparently my dad was in the ministry and I was a perfect angel. And that was the furthest thing from the truth. My parents didn't want that, uh, but that was one of those things that it just, it weighed on me that I had to perform and be like this minister's kid. I want them to see that dad struggles. I want them to know my fears. We ask questions like, Hey, Brighton, what are you scared of? The other day she was scared of sharks in her dream. I, I mean, okay, that's great. Let's pray about that. God, would you help her not to have bad dreams about scary sharks? What is she hearing? She's hearing me take her fears to the Lord and not to, if you fast forward to adulthood, not to binge watching Netflix, not to uh, putting things, shoving things under the rug and never addressing fear, not to overeating, not to all of these things that we do as adults. Let them hear your, prayer, your, your prayers. Share your fears with them. And then make sure they always hear these words, I love you. And how you say that matters. There should never be, and I, I'm just full, when I say never, I've done this. I'm, at, I'm saying I really try to do this moving forward. Cody and I put a stop to it. Don't let them hear you say, I love you, son, but, dot, dot, dot. I mean, what a condition. Deacon walks away, man, I guess dad would have loved me more if I wouldn't have left the wet towel on the floor. But why can't it just be enough? I love you, son. And then let that be that moment. He's messed up, he knows that, and we're gonna talk about discipline in here in a second, but why can't that just be enough? Why, you, why does everything have to teach them something? How about teach them that the father loves them? unconditionally. That's the love that we should have with our children. I love you. Speak words of life and truth. They're always listening. If your speech is condescending, I I caution you, if your speech is condescending towards your spouse, they hear that. If your speech is harsh towards others, they hear it. There's a good chance that they're learning things that you don't want them to learn. Things you will say will shape the way your children perceive you, their view of God, view of marriage, work, life, joy, fill in the blank.
So spirit-led parents recognize that what you say and how you say it matters. The second thing, spirit-led parents recognize that what you do and how you do it matters. Not just what you say, but now let's talk about our actions. Our children aren't just only listening, but they're watching. Every little move, they imitate us. Deacon crosses his legs how I cross my legs. I'm sure I could go to dinner with you and I can watch how your son or daughter eats. They probably have seen and observed and watched you. Not just how you talk. They're watching your every move, how you walk. I saw a video the other day, um, and it was two dads that were just walking side by side, and the mom was just laughing about how identical they are because their, their legs, they're shorter, and they're stock. I just was like, yeah, that's, that's so true. Our kids watch and imitate everything that we do, from walking to sleeping. Nobody snores yet, so I'm, I'm safe there. Um, they're, they're not imitating me in that, but they're watching everything that you do. So teach by example. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart. Let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 20, verse 7, A righteous person acts with integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. Proverbs 22, verse 6, Start a youth out on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. How we live, then, is important. As I was thinking about the, the way we live, here's a few things that I think might be helpful. Just a, a few tips along the way. And the first is this. Spirit-led parents will confess and repent daily. I put that here under how we live because it's, it's, it's confession, but repentance is also an action. And so I, I put this, how we live, spirit-led parents will confess and repent daily. Proverbs 28, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find what? Mercy. Happy is the one who is always reverent, but one who hardens his heart falls into trouble. We say this weekly. It's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. Here's where that gets real. The just don't stay that way means there's change in the making. It's okay to not be all right. Like we could just stop there and everybody be like, yes, it's okay to not be all right. But there has to be a change in the making. That's why we say we just don't stay like that. We just don't stay that way. Spirit-led parents know that Christ took the first step in order for us to be made right. Because he took the first step, you parents now can take the first step in helping your children experience that same grace. Our phrase at our house is when you mess up, you man up, and you move on. The other night, I lost it. I told a group of guys this week that uh, it's funny when you're preparing to preach on something, especially like topical things. Typically, we're just verse by verse through the, the, the word. We'll kick that off with judges. This summer's been a, a bit more topical. And when that happens for me, it's like when you pray for patience, you don't get it. You get opportunities to be patient. And that's how it was this week. I um, had a long Tuesday, got off a, a, a conference call, got off another conference call, walked out, and the kids had swam at the neighbor's house. Um, you know, when I use a towel, I usually just hang it up. Um, my kids had, there's three, we had four towels out that were all soaking wet at the door, just laying there. And so I just walked out. I'm all right with it. I'm cool with it. I walked out, and all I said was, hey, whose towels are these? And then for the next 90 minutes, 
and lots of screaming and yelling, I don't know whose towels was what still to this day. But here's what happened. I, don't, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. They started pointing fingers. They started yelling at each other and started getting mad. And I, I want you to know that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of God's grace just like you are. I lost it. I lost it on my, on my kids because my, my control and my comfort was disrupted. Stupid argument over towels. Coach Matt came out. And that's what I phrased that. There's times in my life where I'm, I'm not a coach, but if I was, apparently I'd be a screamer. Coach Matt came out in that moment. And I set them all on the, I set them all on the couch and I'm yelling. I just, whose towel? Who took this towel? They're just looking and screaming and shouting. And Ellie at one point is laughing, which, you know, that lightens it a little bit, lightens the load. I start laughing and I'm like, stop making me laugh. This is not funny, you know. And all of that, I say that because our phrase is when you mess up, you man up and move on. And the irony was, is I just wanted them to live that out. It, it didn't happen. And as a dad, I didn't live it out either. I lost it. I messed up. And I had a chance to go back. And it took me a while because I, I had to decipher through a lot of things. What's real in this moment? I got to take a step back. What's why am I so frustrated in this moment? What is it about the towel? And it really wasn't even the towel. It was that I wanted to control them and, and, and see this happen. And so long story short, I had to go back for the next 30, 40 minutes, multiple times in each room and just letting them know, like, I've messed up. I had to take that first step. I do think, I think there was some sin from them. <laughs> However, I had to start with me. I had to start with me. I had to go to them, move towards them. Help your children see that as we confess our sins and we turn from them, that we can find everlasting joy and mercy through Jesus Christ. That's what our children need. They're watching. He says, start your youth out on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Another thing that we can see, spirit-led parents will honor regularly. They will honor the Lord and honor one another with words and actions. Honor the Lord with your possessions. This is uh, Proverbs 3. And with the first produce of your entire harvest, then your barns will be completely filled and your lots will overflow with new wine. Show them that God is generous and in his giving to us, we can then be in, in return, we can be good stewards, generous stewards of the things that he's blessed us with. Show them that they can give everything because Christ gave everything. Don't give them your leftovers. Proverbs, wise parenting, spirit-led parenting says, give them your first fruits, which means this. Let your kids come along. If you set up on the setup team, bring them along. They're going to ask you 27 questions about where this goes? 100%. Just laugh about it. Have fun. You're teaching them more than they'll ever know. Bring them along. Bring your boys with you. Teach them how to serve and set up. Let them see how you honor the Lord in giving. I know most of us do online giving. This is something I kind of was thinking through. Like, man, I, I kind of would want them to see me give to the Lord. Like, I know that's happening, but I want them to see that, that, yeah, mom and dad sacrifice and give back to the Lord. Why? Because God gave everything to us. We're called to be stewards. And then just speech, we should be honoring our kids regularly. Not just with our actions, but we should honor them 
regularly. We live in a hypercritical, results-based world, meaning if we only honor our kids for what they do and if they do it right, then we're showing them that their value is in what they do. That is what will define them. You'll have a huge identity issue down the road. Mom and dad honor me when I do things right, so when I mess up, I guess I'm a failure and I'm not good enough. What if we just honored them for good character? Just the, hey, I wrote this out because just as an example. Hey, son or daughter, I want to honor you for how you really seem to be growing in your love for the Lord. Take some time. You got to think about that. You got to see that. But what if we just honored them for their character, that they're growing in the Lord? Just random Tuesday. I honor you for the joy of the Lord in your heart. That smile sure is contagious. I honor you for always smiling. I honor you for when you messed up yesterday. I could tell that you really knew you blew it and the Holy Spirit seemed to really be convicting you. I honor you for coming to us and confessing before you got caught. Those are real ones. What if we just honored? What you say and what you do, it matters, family. Another thing, try to speed through these. Spirit-led parents will celebrate often. Even the little things. You, as a parent, should be their biggest cheerleader. Whether that's a, uh, they were shooting for all A's and they got, I used to do this with my parents. Dad, I got all A's except for three B's. Oh, so you got two A's and three B's. Well, at least I told you I got all A's. Uh, but like celebrate the little things. I remember my dad would be like, hey, that's all right. It's all right. We're going to work harder. We're going to try. We're going to learn algebra, all these type of things. He would work with me and he celebrated the normal things. Don't miss out on the opportunities that you have to celebrate. You can be very critical and um, course correct along the way. Mowing the backyard is a great example. I think I've used that one. How they load the dishwasher. Probably not how you're going to do it. Probably not even the most efficient way. There's lots of colors and, and, uh, in this washing machine and towels, and there's just a lot of stuff. Hey, honor the things. Celebrate the little wins. They're hard to serve. Celebrate that. Take each day at hand and realize that it's a gift from God. Celebrate the little things of, man, isn't it cool that we get to go to church today? Let's celebrate that we get to be here today as a family. Let's celebrate that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's celebrate for another day. Another one, spirit-led parents are going to cultivate deep friendships. I think this is a hard one for us as parents, right? Because it's hard work to have friendships. You can go the ball, ball field route where you do nothing but all of your friends as an adult life is just... Uh, at the, the volleyball court or it's just at the ball field or it's just at dance class and, and your kids can see just a lot of, superficial is not the right word, but just a lot of not depth, uh, no depth, right? Like in your friendships, we say cultivate deep friendships. It's hard work. I think our children need to see that we are cultivating deep friendships. They need to see that mom and dad have somebody, hey guys, I'm gonna go on Friday night and I'm gonna spend some time with a couple guys and here's why. It's an opportunity for dad to do this. I'm not using that as a cop-out. I'm wanting them to see that dad needs some, some close friends. I'm wanting them to see that mom actually just needs some time with her, her girlfriends. I'm wanting them to see that it's important for them to have friends that they can count on and to cultivate those deep friendships. They need to see that we have deep friendships that we can call on when stuff goes crazy that we can cry together, that we can fight well together, that we can encourage one another, that we care for each other deeply, that there are friends you just know that are going to be there and you don't even have to ask. They need to see that. They need to see us cultivating those friendships. If you don't have those parents, 
and you're like, man, I don't know if I have that person. Hey, back to a few points ago, invite them into that prayer life. Hey, would y'all pray for me? Would y'all pray for mom and dad? We're really looking for some friends. They might look at you like, you don't have friends, you know? Invite them into that. That's a fear. The older I get, the more friendships are hard. They're just hard work. Invite your kiddos in. Spirit-led parents will discipline with grace and love. Proverbs 3. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. One of the most challenging goals you will have as a parent is helping your child grow out of immaturity and into someone who walks out of your house at 18 years old, confident, disciplined, respectful, God-fearing, full of humility, love, and grace, and mercy, ready to take on the world. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I'd venture to say most folks don't stand at the doorway and think, we killed it. Look at them go. We nailed it. Right? Because there's thousands of hard conversations. There's countless times where you have to stop what you're doing help your child see that if you keep going in this route, if you keep going down this road, it's not going to end well. And then they go down the road and you got to circle back. You got to discipline. Now to be clear, I've, I've blown it, like I said, in this area a lot. My comfort, my control gets disrupted. I've lashed out in anger. Said things I wish I could take back. There's grace for me and parents, just so you know, be very clear, there's grace for you. You can move forward in a new way as parents. Justin Early in his book, Habits of the Household, he has some beautiful things to say on discipline, and I'm going to read this to you just real quick. He offers this gospel lens on disciplining in the moment, and he says this, in the moment, if you can remember these, pause for a moment. Conflict has happened. It is, it is just, the train is derailed. Things are, are just, you're, you're losing it. Pause. Pray and talk it out with yourself and with God. Just take a step back. Why am I acting like this? God, would you help me see this? Would you convict? Would you encourage? Whatever it is. Think about how you can discipline with wisdom and grace and love. God, in this moment, how can I do this with wisdom and grace? How can I be loving? Seek understanding with the situation with your child. Deacon, can you help me understand how you got to this point? Can you help me see what you were thinking? Think carefully about consequences. Go to, in this world's probably just no more screen time or no more this. Think about your consequences. Lead them to confession and repentance and then always end with reconciliation between you and who they've sinned against and between them and the Lord. What a model. I'm going to end with this. There's a lot on discipline. Um, Rod of discipline will separate it from him. Um, I might just put some of this on a blog for time's sake and and send it out. If you're interested on discipline, there's some really beautiful things uh, from Ray Ortland. But I'm going to end with this. Spirit-led parents will recognize that you are building a legacy. Proverbs 13 says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. You're leaving a legacy. Every one of you, as a parent, are leaving a legacy. Will it be one that they want to continue building on? 
The one thing I keep coming back to this year, really the last 14 months of my life, um, is this, this idea of presence. Presence, uh, how I am with you, how I am with the people that are in front of me, presence with the, the Father, presence with the Spirit, with me. We move at a pace way too fast. I mean, I'm way too fast, and I'm guilty. One practice to the next. Jar mar- marbles. I told you I get to the marbles. Ellie Deacon and surprise Eleanor. I don't know where the hows are. Where y'all at? Over there. All right. This is sad. Some of you are going to have to bear with me on this, but as I close and think about our presence, time flies. Some of you are like, I don't have any marbles left because my kids are growing in and out of the house. But I want you to know that you have 936 weeks before your kid turns 18, from birth till 18. 936. Every week, this represents 936 marbles. Every week, you take a marble out. Okay? Eleanor turns five in March. She has a jar here, 760 marbles left. I'll just bring it to you. I don't, it's pretty heavy. Uh, you, you can pick it up after. Eleanor turns four in March. Yeah? Five. She turns five. I did the math right. I just said it wrong. She has... 760 weeks left before she turns 18. Congratulations. Let that sit with you for a few minutes. Deacon turns 9 in November. His jar only has 485 left, almost halfway there. Ellie turns 13 in February, and her jar only has 280 marbles left, meaning 648 of those 936 weeks are gone. Man, time is fleeing in what seems like a tiring job. Those frustrating days are going to come to an end very soon. My job, your job, is not to make sure your kid makes it on the right sports team, goes to the right school, has the, the coolest friends. Our job is to train them up in the way that they should go. Don't chase the American dream. Chase after Jesus. So that the legacy that I want us as a body of believers to leave behind is one of our presence with our children. That you can slow down enough. I've lived the rat race. I get it. One thing to the next, but, but take a step back, and that's totally countercultural. I, I know where we live. I know where we live. Take a step back. They're not going to, chances are, they won't remember the baseball tournament. But they really will remember if their mom and dad was present with them. Because if you're present with them, then they'll experience the presence of the Father. Lord, would you help us in this? We need all the help that we can get. I know this was a lot. I know... A lot of good practical things. I don't know where everybody sits on this this morning. Um, if anything, I pray that you would just stir in, the, in all of our hearts. Some of us have blown it over and over again. Would you gently lead us into repentance? Your word says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance and not your wrath. So would you lead us in that? Maybe we just need to start with a family meeting, team meeting, huddle tonight. Guys, 
I know we've really messed some things up. But I love you, and I just need you to hear that. And you have a chance. God, would you help, help parents know they have a chance to affect generations? Would you help us see that? Correct what needs to be corrected. You gave us your son. The Father gave us the Son who laid down everything so that we might have everything in him. That's our example. Husbandry, with our, our marriage, parenting, how we live, work, everyday rhythms. We have the example. You gave it all. And so would we lay everything at the, your feet tonight, today and help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.